Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard. We watch them like hawks, constantly watching, waiting for even a momentary sign of weakness, and then we will tell you about it on the weblog. That's what we do. Sorry, it's not as dramatic as I hoped. Uh, hi, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host. With me this week, uh, two... I'm trying to think of a better metaphor, because I've been using the same ones a lot. I, I'm going to say imminent. Completely imminent. Not imminent. Imminent. Slightly different. Look it up. Uh, co-hosts. <laughs> Losing it this week. Uh, uh, first up, because I don't introduce her first enough, uh, Ann Stickney. Ann, uh, tell us about how you forced people to watch a, a movie. Um. Oh. Hi. Um, so this weekend, me and Mitch, well, me, Mitch, and Liz have been doing this podcast for the Tavern called Swords and Shields, and we've been mostly talking about Mass Effect. Mitch just finished Mass Effect 2, and he was about to start Mass Effect 3, but I couldn't let him start Mass Effect 3 without watching the cinematic achievement that is Mass Effect Paragon Lost. So we all sat down and watched it on Saturday. It was great. And when I say cinematic, huh? The fact that you can force people to do these things from distance. I have to be right in a room with someone to make them watch a movie, but you can I do it over really hundreds of miles. To, I didn't have to force too hard. I just said it's it's in, it's like important to the story and understanding the people in Mass Effect 3 that you watch this thing. And they said, okay. So, And Liz already had it. She just hadn't watched it yet. So I just had to get Mitch to get it, and he got it. And since I already have it, we all just kind of sat down and watched it. I had to the fact that you did it was great. You guys should have riffed. Did you record like a riff of it? We did. We did. Okay. Um, we just had uh, yesterday, we had like our episode two or three, episode three, I think, of, of the podcast come out. And then um, in two weeks, we'll be releasing the riff track as, as podcast episode four. So if you ever wanted to watch Funimation, um, and and this particular movie, if you're familiar with Mass Effect, you should totally like watch it and you hit play when we hit play. And then it's like we're there watching along with you forever and always being obnoxious. Just, <laughs> the, fact that, the fact that you got them to watch that movie in of itself is just an achievement, in my opinion. I couldn't get my it's, wife to watch that movie and she loved Mass Effect. It's not it's not a bad movie. You have to get past the whole animation aspect and get into the story bit and like. Once you make it past the first 10 minutes or so and it actually gets into the real story, that's when it gets interesting. It's like, oh, oh, things are happening. Oh, this is all bad all around. And then, yeah, it's great. I, I especially okay. love the last five minutes, which is basically um, one of the characters going crazy with grief for like five minutes. <laughs> He's going to scream well, we've, cry a lot. We've now. established that Anne likes people suffering. Yeah. That's why I like uh, also, <laughs> also with us this week is the editor-in-chief of Blizzard Watch and the guy who was correct in his observations of Daredevil Season 2's plot, much to my chagrin, <laughs> uh, Alex Zebart. Hello. Yeah, How I, goes? I hate admitting you're right, but yeah, you were right. Uh, all those Netflix shows. Beginning is really good. Middle's pretty terrible. The end is all right. Okay. So uh, this week... We'll just move into the top stories because we could talk about Daredevil too long and we, you know, have a show to do. Um, We've done that already stories. in the pre-show, so uh, yeah. let's go listen like to that. Twenty minutes you of you people talking about that show. <laughs> so, us people. Uh, anyway, so this week top stories. Um, first top story I was going to mention actually came out after I'd written the email. So, uh, Blizzard has announced their partnership partnering with with uh, Scholastic. Am I correct in the same Scholastic? Yes. Is that... Yes. And then they went out and got the the guy behind uh, Gargoyles and Young Justice, Greg right. Wiseman, 
to write World of Warcraft Traveler, which is, near as I can tell from the, the promotional video, a series of young adult books? Yep. Children's um, books. It's children, outright adult. children's. Well, I don't know. All I know is it, it's, it's scholastic. It's it's not, to be honest, it wasn't something I expected, but then once I remembered that that book they did a couple years back, the uh, the kids' book. Snowfight. Tiny Arthas and stuff. Snowfight, yeah. yes. Snowfight. Once I remember they'd done that, this seemed like not so strange a thing to do. Uh, but anyway, yeah, World of Warcraft Traveler, it's, um, I didn't, like... Oh, it is th- children's book, because it's ages 8 to 12. Okay. Yeah, it's a children's book. They said they said young adult in the video, in the announcement video. So that's why I was like, huh, okay. But at any rate, yeah, basically it's about uh, Aram, I think his name is, the yeah. son of a famous explorer. And I'm, I'm hoping it, it's not Bran Bronzebeard. Because that would just be no. weird. Um, and he looks strangely like young Varian Rin. Yeah, right. Well. But no, he's he's the son he's the son of an explorer, and he goes to join him on like this uh, trip or whatever. And I don't know. Anyway, things happen, and Aram is left to his own devices with nothing but a magic compass that should be pointing the way home, but isn't for some reason. And it kind of takes him all over Azeroth instead. Which sounds like a really cool premise for a series, and yeah, it sounds cool to me. It's like yeah, no I, big major lore figures so much as it is about this kid who's wandering around Azeroth, which is pretty cool. See, I, I, I'll i admit that at first I was kind of like, what is this? I don't know. This doesn't sound like anything I care about. But like, then they're like, Greg Wiseman. I'm like, okay, if Greg Wiseman's writing it, I know <laughs> yep. it's going to end up... If he's out. writing it, you're on board automatically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Gargoyle. It's like, yeah, I mean... Gargoyles was great. Uh, Young Justice was great. He's, you know, even when he's done stuff I haven't thought was as good, he's it's usually quality. And I knew as soon as like they announced his name that my wife was going to be like, oh yeah, we're getting that. So yeah. yeah, there you go. That's the the first top story of the day. That's coming out. That seems really interesting because it's it's very much they're diversifying what they do yeah. pretty hard with Warcraft. Um, between the movie coming out, between this book series, between Chronicle and other things that are, you know, the 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 switch to when they're publishing their books. The Illidan book is coming out soonish. Um, so yeah, they're they're definitely diversifying and stepping they're stepping up like their the next, media game. It's the next step in that evolution because it was like when World of Warcraft first came out, it was like you got a novel every now and again, and then somewhere in the middle of that, that shifted, and then they started introducing the comic series. And then it shifted again, and we got, like, the short stories on the website. There was a lot of them. And then, like, digital comics, and then, you know, some graphic novels. That got, it, It's just, like I said, it's part of that whole evolution of how they're presenting their story. So I'm I not, think that's pretty cool. I'm not too surprised by them trying to do kid books again. They've tried it before. I, again, I'm not surprised they're doing it again, because all of these guys who work on this stuff, they have kids. No. Yeah. Um, and I think we sometimes see their uh, how they approach things shift based on how old their kids are their how they deal with their kids and we see that in their work a lot i think yeah like when thrall had kids in world of warcraft i completely expect that this was done because they these guys who write these stories wanted to write their experiences into a story so them now doing kids books is not surprising to me it looks like a cool also, story though yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with it again greg wiseman you know, he, he, I'll I'll give him plenty of time to show me what he wants to do. 
Uh, also this week, I, I think of as we're recording this, it should be out, shouldn't it? Um, the Nova Covert Ops for StarCraft Two no. should be out. Yeah, the, Since you... there's three mission packs, and the first of three releases today. What time? Has already released today. I think it. I think it oh, okay. launched with the maintenance this morning, so it should be playable right now. Cool. So you've been playing StarCraft to get ready for it, right, Alex? Yeah, I finally finished Legacy of the Void just last night for this thing and um i wanted to play comfort ops like as soon as it went live i have not had a chance to sit down and do that yet today but that's yeah that's today so you know starcraft fans rejoice you finally you finally kind of get the nova game that you were promised oh so many years ago yeah (laughs) um nova even has like jokes about her canceled game in heroes of the storm when you click on her she'll crack jokes about how her game got canceled and so forth yeah i i I did find out i i didn't wasn't aware her first name was november that that's news to me. Yeah, uh, her, her name is November has, Terra. Everybody has weird names in in uh, StarCraft. All the Terran Jim, people do. Jim Rayner doesn't. Well, there are Jim Rayner doesn't, but it's a lot of like uh, they pull from the southern areas of the U.S. for their like um, for StarCraft Terran, right? So the normal people like James Rayner, they just have kind of normal names, it's like James and Matt Horner and so forth, but. The high society people have very strange names like November and Annabelle and Arcturus and Valerian. So and November is from like a high society family. Okay. November Terra. Yes. I think her, her full name, if I recall, is November Annabella Terra. Wow. That's a mouthful. Yes, at the Cotillion. I do declare we're being <laughs> zerged. Cotillion. Oh my diddly dee, we're being zerged. <laughs> I think she fits in just fine with mouthfuls like Arcturus Mengsk and Valerian Mengsk. And... See, that, that's different because those are the Mengsk is a very Slavic sounding name. I don't know if it actually is a Slavic name, but it sounds uh, Slavic. So that's different than when you when you say they have southern sounding names. Now all I can picture is seriously like, oh, it's a nuclear launch detected, I do say. And so forth. Now the people from the south are like, my that's, God, his accent's horrible. <laughs> that's StarCraft. It's all southern folk in space. It's space cowboys. Wild West in space. Yeah, I'm from I'm from New England, so yeah, you're not gonna get a good accent out of me. And then you have Stukov, who's Stukov. not southern. What's what's his name? Cigar chomping guy from the StarCraft Two trailer? Uh Tychus. Tychus Finley. Tychus Finlay. Finley? Finley. Finley. Yeah, uh So they have like Russian or Slavic or something in there. Whatever Stukov is supposed to be. Also though this week, um I, I remember logging into work yesterday and uh talking to liz about it for a while the uh war- next most recent warcraft trailer actually seems to have reveals for medivh and cadgar yep uh, it's pretty cool um i i was look i didn't get a chance to see this because it was taken down but i was looking at these stills and it, and all i could think of was wow uh cadgar you're certainly doing battle with photoshop filters there aren't you uh it was very hard to see what was going on so it's actually hope- been released released okay now. it's out now yeah. Yeah. It's uh today it officially went up on YouTube. Good. And um it's it's much more effective seeing it in motion. I would think so. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem with looking at stills of anything. It's like, you know, seeing stills of a guy swooping down on a griffin to like you know, attack an orc looks really dumb. It because looks... it's just a still of these bird claws going at the orc going, Arr! It it, it looks really good in motion. I've, I've, um, I think the Warcraft movie will be a fine movie. Um, I think all the marketing for it has been silly. I'm not buying uh, it. It's one commercial. Uh, I'll but see the movie, if, but the marketing seems silly. The trailer I saw in front of uh, Batman v Superman seemed fine. 
but it's just a straightforward trailer of orcs fighting humans. It doesn't really try very hard. It's like, here's the thing. The official movie account on Twitter um, is basically just full of really bad MMO jokes from people who only half understand what a video game is. Instead of promoing the movie, they're like, orc aggro incoming, get the tank. Shut up. No, they deleted that tweet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was bad. They deleted that tweet. It's probably a good thing that they deleted that tweet because whoever like put the picture together, I don't know what crazy font they were using, but it just looked bad. <laughs> like they're trying to have all the hip video game memes, and they don't really get it. Yeah, no. But yeah, people were actually seemed interested when I went. To, like I said during the film, when I was sitting down the, the promo show, people were like, "Ooh, Warcraft!" And I know that not that the people in the theater weren't all Warcraft players, although I'm sure some of them were. Yeah, yeah, there has been interest among the non-Warcraft playing members of my family, which is like everyone but me. So that's good. Yeah, I think the I mean the marketing. It was just mentioned in our chat. The marketing for the Warcraft movie has been so embarrassing. Duncan Jones himself, the director, has been on Twitter being like, "Yeah, uh, I don't really like how they're marketing this, but whatever." If, yeah. if the director is like, "Eh, maybe you're doing something wrong." Then again, there's you get situations like when the director of a movie comes out after the movie releases and goes, "They ruined my movie." Yeah, I'm looking at you, Fantastic Four. <laughs> Didn't the same a, thing happen with the Green Lantern? Like that, mm, like Ryan Reynolds agreed to do Green Lantern because the script was really good, but the studio turned it into an abomination. Well, so that's to the point where Ryan Reynolds has done promos for Deadpool making fun of Green Lantern. I just yeah. like, yeah, in Deadpool, there's like a line where he says, "Just don't make it green or animated." <laughs> like just, <laughs> if you give me a super suit, don't make it green or animated. And it was like a throwback to, yeah, that movie really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Although, quite frankly, Ryan, if you're going to make fun of movies, you did rest in peace department. Yeah. Yeah. You've done some bad movies, Ryan. That looked like it's going to be fun. Then again, you're, you're still, you know, wealthy, uh, way handsomer than I'll ever be in my life and incredibly successful. So... Don't sweat it too much. I, th- I, I think Ghost Cops is a genre that has been woefully underappreciated. Ghost That's cops? because it's like, never very like rarely do we have ghost cops. that are ghosts or guys that like arrest ghosts? Both. Oh, okay. Because REPD is actually both. They are yeah. ghosts that, that cop. Like, Ghost Cops is fun, but every movie they've made about it has been terrible. Okay, then. But... Now we're going to move on to emails because we can't just talk about ghost cops. This, I mean, we could. I, mean, I could just let Alex go and that would be we the podcast. Could. But we're not going to do that. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, we'd be more than happy to hear about any topic, be it like, you know, rogue PvP mechanics, which these two would attempt to answer, or um, anything else. You know, hey, just a crazy thought. You could ask a question about warriors. I, I know a little something about those guys. Uh, but whatever you want to talk about, mages or lore or the movies or, you know, how come we, we never talk about X book that you really like? Because we covered that last week. We we didn't talk about or that Overwatch. Because... You can ask us about Overwatch. I like yep. Overwatch. Diablo, Starcraft, um, oh, any, uh, any game they put out. Dehaka released today. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that's actually... right. We should have put that in the top in story. Heroes of the Storm, that is. Oh. There was a late, big old set of patch notes, too. And I heard mutterings on Twitter that apparently Illidan is really good again. Yeah, Illidan is one of the ones that got a big overhaul in this patch. I think Gazlo got a bunch of buffs as well. Yeah. Uh, 
Tychus, I think, too, because he kind of... Um, he's one of those heroes, like a lot of the original Heroes of the Storm heroes. The original characters are all kind of boring, but some of them are boring but still effective and still do really well, like Muradin. He's, I find him really boring to play, but he's still super effective. But there's other old heroes like Gazlo and Tychus who are boring and also not effective, and I think they're revisiting a lot of those. And that's a lot of this patch is Illidan, Gazlo, Tychus, all of those old heroes that kind of... Didn't they also introduce the like the the band thing? Like you can ban certain characters or something. Yeah, uh, bans are in, which is something that has always been used in tournaments. It was just never supported in the base game, and it's in the base game now. So you can do it whenever you want. Like this, if you play ranked and so forth, there's picks and bans. Um, I think people know what that is. Maybe not what a pick and a ban is. <laughs> do Why I don't you explain it? Since uh, okay, basically part of like tournament play is one of the things that's like you do before the match is to ban out heroes and each team i think it depends on the tournament i think it's usually like uh, two bans each or something like that um you decide which heroes cannot be played in that particular match so, usually stitches and somebody else something like that um uh, almost always stitches i wouldn't say almost always there's that one team that loves to use stitches yeah, uh, I mean, that's kind of part of the strategy. It's like, okay, my team is good with these heroes, but the other team is really, really good at, for example, you know, we mentioned Illidan. So they are a great Illidan team. We don't know how to deal with their Illidan. We're going to ban Illidan so they can't play it. Then the other team's like, like, all right, well, these guys are amazing with the Lost Vikings, so we don't want them to lose, use Lost Vikings. So they ban the Lost Vikings. And everybody has to get new, pick new strategies depending on what heroes are available. Okay. Even to the playing field. Yeah, and that's always been in tournaments. Like that has always been there, even you know in League of Legends and Dota and all of that. Uh, those have been always there. In Heroes of the Storm tournaments, are using it too. It just wasn't supported in the base game, and now it is. Uh, Fairgrim asked, do at- people actually play stitches still? Yes, they do. Uh, in ranked in tournaments in particular, stitches is pretty popular. I mean, his hook is powerful. You get a good hook, and you can gank somebody instantly. Your team immediately has an advantage in a team fight. So Stitches is is a popular one. Okay, now, now emails. Sorry. <laughs> now we are going to do some emails. Uh, this first one's from Alessandra, who's written to us quite a few times. Uh, playing through the beta, has the story make you feel heroic? Uh, it's been a long time since I felt like a hero in WoW. The, the world gets worse. The the lands are not ravaged and never fixed. The, the baby bears don't get rescued. Uh, I'm assuming that means the Hygel thing. Uh, good leaders die. Uh, good characters uh, are torn down or go mad. I can't really think of anyone I want to follow anymore, except, I guess, Varian. And everyone is certain he's about to die. Uh, and the villains can't be killed, only be banished. So uh, are we heroes? Or just thugs, you know, looking for the next loot fix? So I'm going to let you, either of you guys want to answer that one. Loot um, fix. No, wait. <laughs> I think I wrote dogs. I wrote a breakfast topic about this recently, and that um yeah I mean we've just left ashes behind us. Um, Azeroth is kind of ruined. Uh, I don't, I don't Legion in particular. It's hard to answer because I think the major plot arcs in Legion aren't implemented yet. At least it feels that way. Um, we haven't even gotten to like level one ten yet. Right. Even like the intro stuff isn't done. I think at BlizzCon they told us about this like pillars of creation thing where we go to each of the zones and get one of the pillars and it kind of culminates into this whole thing none of that is there i mean i've done stormheim high mountain velshara i don't feel you get the pillars you get like the 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 pieces 
It's just yeah, I got the nothing's pill- done I got, with them yet. I got the How hammer you- of Kazgaroth. How did you get a piece? I've never gotten any of that. Yeah. Did you finish the, the Hammer of Kazgaroth story in, in uh, the High Mountain? High Mountain's last quest has never worked for me. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like a battle of the snow plane. That's not actually that's not actually related to it. There's a point where you get far enough in the story. Uh, I'd have to spoil it to tell you. Do you want yeah, me to? Yeah, don't, don't I mean, spoil it. Don't spoil it, but that's the only quest I still have in High Mountain. No, look around. Actually, ride around. Look around a bit. Then the quest flow is uh, sufficiently bizarre that I don't have the quest. He he wasn't hard to find. He was on. He's on the the thunder totem. He's just off to the side. He's right there. There's um. There's also let's see. Yeah, I got got the thing from Valshara. The Stormheim Uh, one I got. Yeah. The Stormheim one you get. I think one. That one's actually in a dungeon, right? Yeah, you. The culminates in Halls of Valor, I think. Yeah, Halls of Valor. That was like the whole point of doing the Halls of Valor is you prove yourself so that he gives you the thing that you need. But the thing is, is like once you get all of these pieces, you're supposed to take them to where do you take them to? Suramar? I don't remember. I think Suramar is the one that's the level 110 zone. It's like once you finish the four initial ones. Azuna isn't open yet, but once you finish Azuna, Stormheim, High Mountain, and Valshara, once you finish those four, then you can go to Suramar. But you have to like unlock it or whatever first, so that you can take yeah. the pieces in there. Um, so yeah, we haven't seen the story really progress towards Endgame. And to be perfectly honest, it the story at this point it feels unfinished because I I get the impression that a lot of the whole we're fighting the Burning Legion thing comes at level one ten. It doesn't well, really his, show up while you're leveling. You so don't much. really see any demons out there. No, well, you do if you're a warrior. But so much. The, they just changed the warrior start. Like for, for the longest time, when you play, you started as a warrior at one ten, uh, like one hundred, you like a crazy guy sent a raven to give you a quest. Yeah. But now, if you're a horde, um, Etrig shows up and is like, Sorfang's going crazy. He wants to go down there. And if you're alliance, it's like, uh, excuse me, Denoth Trollbane really would like to talk to you. And then it's either Sorfang or, Sorfang or Trollbane giving you their marching orders. Like, yeah, they pulled the Trollbane's even like, yeah, I, they pulled me in for this. But things are getting pretty rough when they Dang. think comes Outland and say, hey, Denath, we need you. Interesting. Uh, but so, but they they still haven't completely finished migrating the quest because once you do that quest, it still puts you in the old quest. So yeah, they're still working on things. Adventures in Alpha uh, on the. I have my Ret Paladin on Alpha, and I have Ashbringer. I've done, I, I did that, like, when the Alpha first started, I made this character. I have Ashbringer. Um, they changed the intro quests for Ret Paladin for the artifact. So I have Ashbringer, but I have a quest telling me I need to find Ashbringer. And you you won't be able to finish it. I can't finish it because it sends me to the class hall as if it's sending me for the first time to talk to this guy. But I've already unlocked the class hall and unlocked the thing to upgrade Ashbringer. So the NPC is phased out of existence, so I can't do it. Yeah. Fine. So it, it, it simultaneously treats me as if I do and do not have Ashbringer. Speaking of it's alpha the same thing hijinks, for you. Alex, did you, we kicked your warrior out of the guild. Were you successfully able to retrieve them? I haven't tried. Okay. I was getting so frustrated with like, Alpha. <laughs> I know it's buggy. I go in expecting it, but you can only go through so many bugs at a time before you're like, okay, I need a breather. This is driving me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to tell you, like, 
one of the things I'll I'll use as an example of something that I've my, has always been my experience in WoW. When I started playing WoW, my very first character, my wife and I came up with backstories for them that have pretty much held throughout like the entirety of like World of Warcraft's existence. We're talking about eleven years now. My character was a thug from the get go. Like he was basically in it for the loot. He was a mercenary. Uh, our guild was a mercenary company. That's that's what we considered ourselves to be. And even though most of those people don't play anymore, still enough of them come by every so often that it, we kind of has an old, uh, you know, there's like a, a kind of like grizzled old veterans feel to it. Like, you know, telling stories about the old days, watching kill videos from Burning Crusade and going, oh, my God, I can't believe we killed, the, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. I've never really felt heroic as such in WoW. I've always kind of felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's great, but I'm really only here because he drops a really nice sword. So I kind of feel like I'm the wrong guy to ask. It's yeah. a little weird to me because, like, especially in Warlords of Draenor, they make a big deal out of your character and how your character is, like, the commander and they're really, really important and all this other stuff. And then when you start playing Legion, again, you're, like, the pinnacle of your class. So you're chosen to wield this ultra-powerful weapon and everything. And it's, it's like this should theoretically make me feel heroic, but if anything, it makes me feel much less heroic than say when I was stranded on the shores of Pandaria and basically had to fight for my survival. That felt more heroic to me. You know what I mean? Cause things weren't being handed to me. I, yeah. like, to me, the heroism part of it is having to struggle. And when people like hand you these uber powerful things and say you're our last hope or whatever it's like well that doesn't it doesn't feel right i don't know there's just something there's some kind of dissonant quality that isn't meshing for me there i don't know why i don't i I just i did notice that they still call me commander and that makes sense they they still call me commander i i should have earned a rank uh, and, you know, fine, uh, I, I want to name a character Shepard now, so that'll just <laughs> work out nicely. <laughs> yeah. But it, it there is, like, I don't mind that they're handing me the artifact because I understand that I'm still going to have to go out and do ridiculously dangerous things. But I do sometimes feel like, I don't know, it almost feels like I've kind of, like, moved to the point where I'm... There could be a Warcraft 4 and I could be... It could be about my character. Like, instead of Rexar. It could be me like going out and giving orders to units, and it just feels really strange sometimes. It takes away from that weird kind of renegade feeling I had back in the day where it was just like, yeah, yeah, it's great that there's a dragon taking over the kingdom, but does she drop any plate? You know, it's funny. In the RTS games, that's kind of what it is. You aren't... For, okay, I've just played Legacy of the Void. I'm not Artanis, right? Like, Artanis is the main character, but I'm not him. And Artanis will sometimes refer to me because I am commanding the armies. I'm the, you know, I'm executor or whatever. Like, I'm commanding the armies. Like, I am kind of a participating party in this. So in a way, that's kind of what it is. It's a little weird when you think about it. That Arcanus is telling me to do stuff in real life. I just, I, I guess I just, out of all of the expansions, the ones that I really appreciated the most were Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King and Mists of Pandaria. And I think it was for the same reasons every time. When you first step through that dark portal in Burning Crusade, you were just struck by how wrecked and ruined everything was. And then all of a sudden you see this army of demons with this giant pit lord in front of you. And my first thought was, how the heck am I going to get around that? And the answer to that is, of course, fly over it. But I mean... It felt like there was a struggle from the outset 
And it was the same thing with Wrath of the Lich King. When you went to Northern, it was really beautiful, but then you realized that it was also really deadly and weird and just like uncharted territory. Plus, Wrath, I mean, Wrath also had the advantage of having all of those flashbacks to Warcraft 3, which I really enjoyed. Miss of Pandaria, you're, you're literally, you're shipwrecked on this new continent and you don't know what's going on there. And over the course of the first zone, you manage to screw everything up so badly that the rest of your leveling experience is struggling to fix the collateral damage that you inadvertently caused. So it's like, to me, those moments felt way more heroic than arriving on Draenor and somebody saying, yep, you're in charge. I just yeah, uh, I, I do agree with you. And again, the the lands ravage never fixed. Like that's something I think about a lot with the game. Just, yeah, everything is wrecked, and we don't revisit those places. Uh, well, that collateral point... damage from Cataclysm, I kind of wish it'd go away at some point. Yeah, I mean, there comes a point. It's like, um, maybe Azeroth kind of sucks. Maybe we kind of wrecked it. Let's open a portal let's, and take. Let's go to else Argus instead. I'm sure it's much better there. Let's take a different planet. <laughs> this one's broken. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm I'm I have different opinions, but I do want to move on to another email. So, this next email is from Zazlo, uh, pronounced Zazlo. So I'm I'm okay with it this time. I've got a pronunciation guide. Uh, Enhancement Shaman, Moonrunner US. Greetings, watchers. Longtime listener and proud Patreon supporter. Uh, I want to ask a question about following the story of an expansion. I have a difficult time keeping track of plot points and story beats due to my uh, inconsistent memory. It makes understanding what's going on in an expansion difficult, and it's frustrating considering I love the lore of Warcraft. It's especially tough with the uh, things like the legendary quest that is spread out over the entire expansion. I've read every quest in Draenor, and I can't tell you why we're uh, you know raiding HFC. Um, I'm going to stop for a second because that's one of the things that always bugged me. What do you mean you don't know why we're raiding HFC? It's where the, the evil guys are. There are demons I, all over the place. It, the, that, that one is, really bothers me when people say, I don't know. Like, if you told me you don't know why we're raiding Highwall, I'd be right there with you. Because Highwall wasn't strategically important. There's no, no reason to go there. We could have just like, said, yeah, okay, ogre guys, you have fun. We're going to go kill the, the Iron Horde. But HFC is the, right where all the evil people are. That, that's why it's like saying, I, you know, why is Superman going to Lex Luthor's house? Because that's where Lex Luthor is. He's, that, that's, that's where the guy is. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but I had to interrupt you there. Uh, so do you guys have any tips on how to keep track of what's going on throughout like the expansion? Thanks, Saslo. I'm going to let Ian go or Alex, whichever one of them wants to talk first. I'm probably the wrong person to ask here because the last thing my memory is is inconsistent. I'm... I absorb things and I catalog them all in my head and I don't really have any tips on doing that because it's just something I do. Um, and, you know, I, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face, read all the quests and pay attention to what's going on. But if your memory, if you can't remember these things, then I, I don't know. Alex, maybe you have helpful tips? Um, in my experience, a lot of that isn't even really important to know. Uh, it's like Rossi said, you know, why are we going to Hellfire Citadel? Because the bad guys are there. Uh, why are we going to X-Raid? It's because there's a bad guy there. Um, and they usually just tell you who the bad guy is. Like, uh, the specifics of the legendary quests, I don't really know them either. Uh, the, I haven't done the one in uh, Warlords for one, because it was really tedious. Uh, so what happens there, what, what 
proceeds after you have to collect 10,000 tablets? Uh, I don't know. But I don't really need to know because the bad guys are in Hellfire Citadel and that's where we go because they're there and we got to kill them. What about that's you, pretty much like, um, I'll say this. I honestly feel like Draenor is in some ways real easy to follow and that it does not have a tremendously deep plot. No. And much of it, much of it is like... I'm going to say this. You want to know the overarching plot of this expansion? Go find the six or seven movies they made and watch them. Yeah, the cinematics. You can actually, um, once you've viewed the cinematics in your garrison, there's a person you can talk to and you can rewatch them all in order if you want to. You know, once you've watched those, you pretty much have the basics of what's going on. We showed up. We knocked down the the Dark Portal. um, We went to our various garrison-y places. We made garrisons. We then ranged out from our garrisons to fight the Iron Horde and also the demon guys because they're bad too. Uh, we did so well at fighting the Iron Horde that the Iron Horde got taken over by the demony guys. And now the Iron Horde demony guys union are sitting in Hellfire Citadel waiting for us to come kick their butts because that's what bad guys do in this game. I forgot about that. The cinematics are actually really good to watch too because they're just, it's like, it's a summary it's the culmination and summary of everything that you've done in that particular yeah. zone. The it's only the zones that the only zones that don't have them are Gorgrond and um, see here I am talking about my memory and I can't remember the name of the zone with the bird people with the Arakoa. Spires of Iraq. Iraq, yeah. <laughs> and both Gorgrond and Spires of Iraq are more side story than they are main story. Yeah, they aren't really too tied into that whole main story. All of the important beats that you need are tied into those cinematics. So find the dude in your garrison, talk to them, watch those in order, and then all of a sudden it should start to make a little more sense. And That's usually, for, what's going when there's on. a new patch, when there's a new patch, the patch notes usually start with some kind of recap or, or explanation of what's happening. Like um, for the one with the the Hellfire Citadel patch, there's probably a paragraph at the beginning. It's like Gul'dan, blah blah blah, kill the demons. Like to also for an example, if you were having trouble with say the Miss of Pandaria story, um, there's not as many cinematics, but there were a couple. And really, if you want to know what's going on in, in Miss of Pandaria, you would basically just play through the, the the zones, and each zone basically has a self-contained little story that will tell you roughly what's going on. Um, you know, like Dan mentioned, you know, Jade Forest pretty much says, "Oops." Jade Forest is literally a giant oops. Uh-oh, uh, and you, what did we do? You, yeah. You get warned even, like, if, if you're Horde, for instance, you, you find that Alliance guy and he's going crazy. And if you're, if you're Alliance, you fight that Orc Warlock who's, like, you know, unleashing, what is that? That is not good. What is what is that? And, and you know, Terrence Tarazuka's will show up and tell you exactly what that is and why things are bad. In the most condescending manner possible so you don't <laughs> listen to him. Yeah, screw that yeah. guy. But, you know, Terenzu is a perfect example of somebody who is right, but who needs to learn to modulate his message so people will listen to it. Because he's like, you moronic fools, idiots trampling in a land you don't understand. You're unleashing forces you can't comprehend. F off, buddy. Like, oh, it turned out he was totally right. Yeah. Well, but look, they've been isolated for 10,000 years. His social skills with other species is probably not where they need to be. <laughs> his social <laughs> skills with his own species seem lacking. Yeah. He's, the, he's, he talks to Zuin like Zuin's no, like a nutcase. He, he's, he's they're, not, they're imbeciles. He's not a he's not a bundle of sunshine, that's for sure. Um, Taranzu basically needs himself. He needs to have a media consultant. Yeah. What Mister Zoo is trying to say. 
I mean, considering the whole, sh- you know, Shaw of Pride thing, like, Terran Zoo is the most prideful piece of crap I've ever met in World of Warcraft. Which Shaw actually possesses him? The, hate- the Shaw of Hatred? It's hatred or anger. Yeah, I think it's actually anger. Yeah. Because hatred's a one down. Terran Zoo is trash. But yeah, basically... If for for the most recent expansions, there tends to be like you can digestible story chunks you can break it down and, and get through questing, and the the cinematics and warlords really make it a lot easier because you can go watch those in your garrison, or you can even find them on YouTube if you're having a hard time figuring out why are we doing X. It, you'll find out the, the the movies make it pretty clear. So, yeah. um, quite frankly, I'd say the entirety of why we raid Hellfire Citadel is is revealed to you in the the two videos which with um. Goldon and Grom in them. Like yeah, you watch those two videos and that's Goldon kind of lays it all out for you. Yeah, Goldon like spackles it on with a trowel. Excuse me, I have some evil exposition. <laughs> now I must coach you in it. There you go. <laughs> that was the most disgusting sound effect to be followed by <laughs> I'm going to coat you in it or whatever you just said. <laughs> that was disgusting. And yet, rememberable. You won't forget that. You'll want to. Never forget that. Okay, next one is from Luthor, a human paladin from Cadgar. And, you know, in the past I've mocked Luthor for his name because, you know, Superman villain. But he's taking it with good good humor because, Dear Lords of Lore, Alas, Superman has defeated me, or has he? Muhahaha. I do have a, a real question this week, and I think it ties in nicely to the release of Chronicle and the latest uh, Lore Watch podcast. I hope you can discuss this, my question, uh, if I don't want to take up your know, precious time on Lore Watch. Okay. I, you know, we, we do take questions on Lore Watch, too. This could have been sent there. As but someone okay. who is not on Lore Watch, but on this podcast, <laughs> I think the time on this podcast is far more precious. Yes, I know. We all know. Um, Saturday night was running around on my uh, mage doing achievements for my you know dungeons, and I, I encountered a few surprises. I ran the Architraz, uh, apparently the first time ever, uh, and what uh, Adal says about the uh, Legion and the Void Lords uh, when the uh, when he gives you the dungeon quests got me thinking. Uh, Adal talks about the uh, necessity of the balance between the light and the darkness uh, of the Void Lords. Are also, you know, he also says that the Sargeras doesn't know what he is doing by trying to eradicate all life and undo the balance. The Naru must be connected to the Void, uh, or or know something about them, uh, at least some things, you know, that Sargeras doesn't. Uh, what has Chronicle told us about this? Uh, what do you guys think know about it? I uh, hope to hear from you. Uh, forever yours, Luthor. Uh, okay, hold on, this PS here. P.S. Millhouse Manastorm on the Architraz is hilarious. That's true, that's probably why he keeps coming back. People loved him. For the record, no, I guess we're going to start talking about Chronicle spoilers now. It's about really time. Have Just do it. It's been it's been a couple of weeks. I think we're okay now. But if you don't want to hear about Chronicle spoilers, then skip forward. <laughs> I think Chronicle spoilers are silly in general. Like you're spoiling an encyclopedia. Yeah. It's not a novel or a movie. It's just like an it's an encyclopedia. I can't spoil the fall of Rome. What? Some people want to like Rome fell? Rome fell? Sorry, man, but it's been about you know almost two thousand years. You've but had I, plenty of time to go but to I've Rome. Seen pictures of it. People have been there. It's, the people are still there right now. Rome is there. What are you talking about? Okay. So. Question. 
What is it? <laughs> Regardless, Chronicle is a new book and as new material, I didn't really want to spoil it right away because some people didn't. There were Amazon. Remember we talked about how Amazon was sold out? A lot of people yeah. weren't getting their back orders, and most of them, I think, should have gotten their back orders by now, I think. So, anyway, uh, the Naru and the Void, there's not there's not any direct correlation made in the book, so much as, like, the Light and the Void are set opposite each other. As far as that whole Cosmos chart, there has to be light and darkness. It's like a balance kind of thing. Um are the Naru aware of the old gods? Yeah, but we haven't really seen them do anything directly about them, like in-game or anything. The only thing that we've seen to even indicate that the Naru have an interest on about anything that's going on on Azeroth at all, the only thing that we've seen is when Adal shows up for Bridenbread and makes sure that he's cured of the plague and his soul goes where it needs to go so he doesn't come back a scourge. Yeah, and for that matter, I mean, there's we still don't really know what where the Naru come from. No. Like, the book tells you roughly where Titans come from. We know where the Titans' origins is. We know the origins of the Old Gods now. We know what the Void Lords are, as opposed to Void Lords. And we know there's, what the origin of the Holy Light is. Yeah, but we do and we don't. We know where the where the Order of the Silver Hand came from, why, why they, you know, call it Tear's Hand and stuff like that. But we don't know... Like, how does the light really work? And why are the Naru of it? And mechanics. The... Mechanics-wise, yeah. There's not really a big explanation about that, no. We, and we straight up don't know, like, the, the Naru's origins. We don't know where they come from. Or if, are they just made out of light? You know, just to, like, pop out of it? You know, hi, I'm a Naru. You know, we don't know. No idea. So how do the Naru know what Sargus knows and doesn't know? Or what mistakes he is or isn't making? That's... Kind of up in the air. They they made an assertion. Chronicle definitely leaves still leaves some things. It leaves enough things deliberately vague that there's still it's there's speculation to be had about all of this stuff. And I'm working on that because I have but, uh, theories, but nothing solid yet. In general, you know, the book does make it fairly clear that you know light and darkness do need to be balanced, and that there's other forces balancing against each other too. Yeah. In fact, that the cosmology of Warcraft is all about forces and balance. So, uh, definitely, the argument is certainly that Sargeras is wrong. The, the, the Naru certainly thinks so. I would argue the Naru absolutely believes Sargeras is wrong. Sargeras doesn't think he's wrong. No. But, you know, he wouldn't. So, okay. Yeah. Am I missing anything else, like you think? No, I think, I think that kind of covers it. Okay. Uh, in general, Milhouse, however, yeah, he's, he's a character who's maybe gotten overused over the years, but he is good in Arcadraz. Yeah, they uh, got to beat that dead horse as long as they can. <laughs> I I definitely think it's similar to like um what's his name the Indiana Jones Harrison Jones Harrison yep. Harrison Jones the thing is is like Millhouse I mean okay so he showed up in Burning Crusade in the Architrice for the first time and then yeah, we didn't he, see him again until Cataclysm when he showed up and it was revealed that he was working for the bad dudes and then he shows up again well I mean he's like a follower. Can you get him as a follower? Am I thinking yes. of the yeah. wrong guy? Yeah, you can get him as a follower, follower. but and there's no real you, big story involved. Uh, he and he gives you the toy that turns you into him. Yes, and then he does show up again in Legion, um, in one of the dungeons, and that whole exchange is pretty entertaining. 
Isn't there some weird thing where it's like canonical that Millhouse is twice as big as other gnomes or something really bizarre? Uh, not to my knowledge, but it may be that I just haven't encountered that tidbit. I'm in- pretty sure that's a thing that Mel- Millhouse is canonically larger than other gnomes. It's weird. I don't know. Keep talking. I'm looking it up. Oh, he's looking it up. Okay. I mean, I always figured that he was bigger specifically because he's, I mean, you need to be able to see him in the dungeon that he's in, like in the Architraz. He's he's even yeah, larger than other gnomes in your garrison. He yeah. is, he's a gnome of unusual size, being about the same size as a dwarf. I'm getting this from Waleki. Well, I don't know where they got it from. Their source is not listed. Oh, okay. See, if but, they don't have a source, I'm wondering where it came from. It's weird. Anyway, um... Yeah, I think I think Blizzard sometimes needs to let jokes go. I think Milhouse is funny, but every time they bring him back, he gets a little less funny. Yeah. Harrison Jones, yeah. I mean, funny reference when he first showed up. Yeah. But. They haven't designed a zone around Milhouse, so I think we're okay right now. Because <laughs> we get him in small doses. Get it? Small. <laughs> but, okay. but we've established but he's a gnome. But larger of, than average. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, we could probably move on. <laughs> I think but we should make. Apparently, it's it's mentioned in Wowpedia as well, and they actually have like multiple sources at the oh. bottom. Okay. So for some reason, Millhouse is canonically large. I will have to yeah. go look into that later because now I'm kind apparently of interested. the apparently the ultimate visual guide makes a reference to this. Really? That's apparently the case. <laughs> it's yeah. me. You should talk to the people behind that book. Perhaps they know. Hey, look, I didn't write everything in that book. I was the co-author, okay? Yeah, what, <laughs> what huckster worked on that? <laughs> okay, next up is Zugzin, uh, Monk on Illidan. This one is based on a comment on a Reddit thread, so I, fair warning, I didn't actually read the original comment. I've since looked at other people's responses to it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Dave Kosak's uh, comment about Azeroth? And Razoroth's world soul never uh, waking up, that its spirit is now in each of us. He later clarified that his comment wasn't canon, but it still con- it still seems like a pretty definitive statement to make off the cuff. Going that route seems uh, to shut down massive story potential, so I hope it's not true. On that note, do we know if the Titan spirits uh, in the Watchers are... St- oh, this is just... Man, I should have put a spoiler warning up front here. Yeah. Um... Whatever. The Titan spirits and the Watchers are still independent, you know, from the, the Watchers themselves. Uh, in other words, are, are the Titans actually, you know, dead, or are they simply, you know, bodiless? Zugs and Orc Monk on Illidan. I think I know what happened here with what David Kosak said. Uh, he got Warcraft and Diablo confused. We are not, in fact, Nephilim in World of Warcraft. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I like Dave. I think Dave's really funny and makes good comments and has generally been really nice when I've talked to him. But I think Dave is just as susceptible as any other human being to just going off when talking and not really, you know, realizing what he's saying until, you know, we go nuts. Um, And I definitely feel like this is one of those cases where Dave was just making a comment, you know. It was a very pretty piece of pose. Yeah, I don't that think he was really... everybody took really, really that. seriously, and then he was like, no, wait, hold up, guys, this wasn't meant to be seriously, but yeah. It, it's like, um, the Christmas spirit is inside all of us, therefore we can't celebrate Christmas anymore. <laughs> That's not quite what he was Christmas saying. is dead, but it's inside of you. 
You've eaten Christmas, you bastards. You ate Christmas. No, I didn't regurgitate Christmas now. This is no. where you make that gross spitting sound effect again. I've already done that once. I'm not going to do it again. That was for Goldon. Only Goldon makes that noise. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe Dave said something that was just, you know, off the cuff. Maybe he spoiled something he shouldn't have. Maybe he was being metaphorical. Azeroth is all the friends we made along the way. No. <laughs> Azeroth is a warm <laughs> feeling. God. This reminds me of an old Star Trek episode. Logic, it's a pretty flower that smells bad. What? But, yeah, I don't think he was trying to, like, you know, leak secret details of Lex Warcraft expansions. I think he was just, you know, kind of talking. And people took it way more seriously. Because I think I got, like, 20 texts going, did you see this? And I'm like, guys, 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 it's just something Dave said on Twitter. and, and I mean, said on, on Reddit. Until it actually comes out in a book, you, you can relax. I hope yeah. Azeroth doesn't wake up because we live there. Yeah, but I mean, we don't even know what would happen if it wakes up. Does it like crack open like an egg and you know? It just—it's like an armadillo just unfurls and we all fall off. Well, no, because it, it's so big we that it could unfurl. Shoulders. We'd still live on it. We wouldn't know any different. If we, like instead of like the world being on the back of a turtle, it's on the back of some guy or girl. I think Azeroth's swimming through the galaxy. On the back of some guy. Yeah. Swimming through the galaxy. We're just hanging out. I, I'm gonna call it now. Azeroth is almost certainly a woman. Like ninety nine percent sure Azeroth is a woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For one thing, the Titans need another woman <laughs> because there's just one girl in the group. She's like, seriously, when am I getting a sister? I'm like, look, we just they hatched the way they hatch. Like, Are you sure you're not just looking for the dudes? Look, I, I'm maybe I kind of did. I want another woman in this group. All right, look, this new one that, that'll probably be a woman, right? I hope so. God, it's lonely around here. You guys are pathetic. And Sargor, stop leering at me. I'm not leering at you. I'm just thinking about killing everything all the time. All the time. So, yeah, the Titan spirits and the Watchers, are they independent from the Watchers? Um, One I of them's very independent from the Watchers. Huh? One of them is extremely One independent. One of them is very the independent from the Watchers, yes. But I don't think it, the way that it was phrased in Chronicle, it seemed to indicate that it was sort of like the last vestiges of their power, not necessarily their consciousness. Like, they aren't. Well, there was that bit that they got overwhelmed. Like they yep. saw all the oh, yeah. they basically the problem seems to have been if based on my reading of Chronicle that you couldn't fit all of the Titans being into a keeper. No, there just wasn't enough room. There wasn't enough data storage in the keepers for all the, the big Titan download. No. So what happened? I don't know. Good question. I, that wasn't really like hammered down or defined either. So who knows? It's another one of those open ended bits. There's a lot of those in Chronicle, but they're good ones. So, you know. Anne and I have enjoyed Chronicle. Alex, of course, has not read it. Yes. And does not care. Nope. <laughs> okay, um, this one is from Klug. Remember Klug, everybody? Klug! Hi, Klug. Klug has quite possibly the best name of any orc. Um, Dear Watchers, I've been slowly leveling a character with a friend who is very a casual player. We run with a Kata version of, Zul- of Zulgarab, and we got nostalgic over the original uh, version. Remember uh, wipe. Remembered wiping um, numerous times, and finally uh, seeing the tiger mount drop, only to lose uh, the roll and never seeing it drop again. My question this week is: What's your favorite raid, and why? Or what raid got you hooked on WoW? You know, as always, uh, keep up the great work, Klug. I'm gonna let Grumpy McGee go first because <laughs> you know, 
Um, He's all upset about lore conversations. So. I, I still think to this day that the best time in World of Warcraft rating was the split between Serpentrine Cavern and Tempest Keep. Uh, both of them at the same time, kind of a diversity in locations, but each location was still like consistent within itself. Uh, they had easy bosses, they had hard bosses. Kael'thas and Vosh were hard but doable. Um, like they were tough, but it was all execution. Like once you got it down, you got it down, and that felt really satisfying. Uh, there was, I mean, you were overwhelmed at first, but you saw very quickly that it all kind of came together and. Having both uh, variety in what you're looking at for six months at a time and having those hard but doable bosses felt really good. Uh, I haven't really had that feeling since then. Uh, I think Karzan would have been really good if it was about half as long. I don't know how about you guys feel about that. I always feel like Karzan has a lot of filler. And Rossi? I... Um, like, I have my own things I want to say, so... Oh, okay. Well, go ahead, Rossi. Oh, no, you know, you, you go ahead. I'm just saying, that's why I wasn't answering what he was saying, because I have things I'm going to say. Well, I asked you a question about Karzan. Like, how did you guys feel about Karzan in particular? Did you think, I mean, a I, lot of people love Karzan, but I felt it was just too long. I don't feel like it was too long. Karazhan was uh, actually one of my favorite raids. Um, I find it interesting, though, that you mentioned the whole split thing between um, Serpentrine and uh Tempest Keep, because that was the one period in the game that I really didn't... That's when I was taking my break from that, and I was leveling my rogue. So um, I raided with Karazhan on my priest, and it was fun. I I loved the zone, and I loved the flavor of the zone, and I loved the feel of it, and I loved the fact that we were finally in Medivh's Tower, because that was one of those things that had always plagued me during Vanilla. I'm like, what's in there? I want to know what's in there. And we finally found out. Um, but I didn't start raiding again at Burning Crusade until uh, Black Temple. Black Temple was out. Black Temple and um, Caverns of Time with uh, Archibon. Um, Hyjal. Hyjal, yeah. But, I mean, Archibon was the final boss. Anyway, um, that was when I came back in was to do those. Uh, so I missed that. I missed that whole Serpent Shrine and Tempest Keep thing because by the time I got back into raiding, nobody was doing those zones anymore. Um, however, I liked Burning Crusade's thing where we did have like two different raids that we could do and and yeah i i wanted to see more of that we didn't really get that much with wrath of the lich king because it was pretty linear it was like you did um next ramus and then you went to old war and then you went to the round room and then you went to ice crown citadel like you it kind of went in order um cataclysm kind of brought that back a little bit there were a couple of different raids, but for whatever reason, they didn't quite capture the feeling that I got from like doing the multiple ones. Because, I mean, we did High Jaw and we did Black Temple kind of pretty simultaneously. We were doing both for a while. And then once everybody got everything that they needed off of Archimond, it, we stopped doing that. But um, I, I don't really know. Like- the bright colors in Serpent Shrine and, and Tempest Keep. Serpent Shrine? No, there's no bright colors in Serpent Shrine. You're I liked that it was all blues it. in Serpent Shrine. There, there are dark cave areas in Serpent Shrine, but there's also bright blue areas. Yeah. And, and you have the bright reds and yellows of Tempest Keep. And just having these, having color was just felt really cool to me. And I hate when a dungeon is just dark. Serpent I, Shrine has dark areas, but it also has a bright green and bright blue and all that. Yeah, I'll just... I liked the whole watery kind of theme thing going in there. It just, it was nice. Um, Cataclysm, I think part of what kind of threw me off a little bit from Cataclysm was that everything was red on red on red and red, red, unless you were in um, Twilight Citadel, in which case it was all purple. 
<laughs> yeah, um, they've kind of like Bernie said, is like there are lots of different colors, and you're always looking at something different. And a lot of these raids after that it seems like they just pick a color and stick with it the whole time. Like here's everything is black, here's everything is red, here's everything is purple. Well, I'll say this much. Um, first off, I think like in terms of how the fights actually were, with the exception of a few, like I think you can argue that Vash and Kale and Illidan to a lesser degree and uh our um kill jaden to a lesser degree were mechanically interesting fights in general the raids were terrible uh compared to what they came after uh wrath of the lich king's raid raid fights were much better more complicated more interesting uh more sophisticated uh olduar i mean olduar for me in a lot of ways olduar is one of those raids that goes up there on my list i karazhan's below it i actually think olduar is better yeah uh i actually like ice crown a lot like going back and looking at it and remembering tanking it, especially tanking it on the highest difficulty. I remember uh, a lot of stuff that was really sophisticated and, and as a tank challenged me. I'm going to say this though. One of the worst things that happened in t- to, in my mind to raid design was the introduction of challenge modes and like, or ha- harder difficulty modes. And the reason for that is because of gear inflation. Yeah. Like that really inflated gear. That's however got nothing to do with your question. So I'm ignoring it, but that is something I would put out there. Burning Crusade is the advantage of not having that. You did Vosh until you beat it. You didn't do Vosh until you beat it, and then do it again with new... Like, Imagine if, seriously, you, do, you were doing the Vosh fight, you finally got her down, and then it was like, okay, next week we start Heroic Vosh, where they have two new ads, and the floor splits open sometimes, and snake tentacles grab you. And you have to change your macro. Yeah. yeah. That's the kind of thing... <laughs> that I don't like and that BC was, was totally devoid of. And but I'll say this, I, I really think cataclysm and especially dragon soul uh, with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of going through it now at max level and just seeing it cataclysm and dragon soul had some of the most interesting fights. Yeah. And I actually loved spine of Deathwing Cause I was tanking spine of Deathwing, and I was a warrior tank on spine of Deathwing. It so was my job was chaotic, but it was kind of my like... job was run around in a, tick off a whole lot of goo yeah then just run around and oh he's about to get caught by all the goo leap of faith him out okay now heroic leap back in and just that kind of stuff since that's my fight perspective for like for pretty much every expansion until warlords at the end of the expansion i ended up tanking yeah that's the way it was in every expansion so i always ended up tanking these fights like i tanked vosh and kale and i i will never hate a fight as much as I hated tanking Vale, Kale, because this is my experience tanking oh, Kale. Kale Thos. Look at, yeah, look at the floor, equip the shield, use the shield macro so that you don't get killed. Yeah. That's tanking Kale Thos. I... Do that like 35 seconds. If you screw it up once, the raid wipes. I think probably, though, um, on the list of favorite raids, I have to throw um, Blackwing Lair in there just because yeah. I have so many memories of doing that in vanilla, like fond memories and fun stories of my raid guild just being completely insane and the insane things that we used to do to like do the encounters in there, like the whole having to get all 40 people out of the zone and over into upper black rock spires so that we could buff them all with mind control of the fire resist buff so that we could finally beat veil straws. You know, I mean, there was just like, my black raid never used whatever. that. Huh? It was my raid never used that fire resistance buff from Black Rock Spire because it was so annoying to buff forty people with it. it We're was, just like, forget it. We're gonna do it without it. Yeah, it was it was really annoying. And there was a point there. I think it was probably like 
oh, I don't know, a good three weeks after we had Veilstrass on farm, we finally stopped using it. But to, yeah, to get the were... fight down, we did that. And then, like, Razor Gore, Razor Gore was just fantastic once you got everything together already. And then the whole thing, like, with the, with the scepter for AQ40, I mean, I have a lot of memories about that and farming bugs forever to get our one warlock the scepter before the alliance got it and we didn't but it's okay because she got it and she got her bug anyway <laughs> so, here's like here's the thing with me and raids um i i admit i have a very short attention span yeah really short attention span like it is bad so my favorite raids are the ones where uh they there's areas that look very different behave very different or you're going from you know, like, go, oh, we did our boss in Serpent Shrine, we're, now we're going to go try something in Tempest Keep. It looks different, it's short, those are my favorite. So, my least favorite are the ones that are really, really long. Like, Karzan, I enjoyed it because the bosses are so different, but there's that section in the library where you're just grinding through trash. Yeah. That ruins Karzan for me, because you're in that one spot so long. Or a Ulduar, I don't like it because it's so long. My attention span means I can't appreciate these long ones. I get bored. See, with Karazhan, yeah. we always, like, one night we would get up to the library point. Like, that was the natural halfway point. So we'd go to there, and then we'd come back the next day, and we'd do the library and the rest. And it felt like, it felt almost like a second raid. It was we, like, just, we just couldn't schedule people that many nights in a row, so we just had to do it all in one go, or else we wouldn't be able to do it that way. Yeah, doing it all plus at once, be... I could see that being really long. Plus, the problem with Karazhan was people were running it on all their alts to get badges, but I think at this point, we've, we're running out of time. Like yeah. we've, we've talked quite a lot. So uh, I'm going to ask Anne to, to give us our... Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And we could totally use more non-Warcraft questions if you guys have them. Yes. <laughs> it's true. We could talk about non-Warcraft things. That would be great. Um, this has been Blizzard Watch. Uh, I'm Matthew Rossi. I'm the host. Uh, with me have been Anne and Alex. And thank you very much for coming by and letting us talk to you about Blizzard games this week. We will see you next week.